Brought to you by Soul Fire Productions. Hello and welcome to Mother the Mother. I am McLean McGowan. This podcast is an offering for all women to gather energetically, sister to sister, mother to mother, to co-create a sacred space for healing, educating, and sharing as we journey through motherhood and womanhood. It is such an incredibly powerful moment in time to be a woman, and I thank you for showing up on behalf of yourself and for all of the women in your lives, past, present, and future, to honor our matriarchal lines, all who came before, and all who will come after. Hi everyone, thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm your host, McLean McGowan. And as always, it is a pleasure and a privilege to be here with you. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for co-creating this space as we share and educate and heal ourselves and in so doing one another. As life continues to unfold, as the veils continue to be lifted, it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of conscious work to hold the line, to continue to show up, to take good care of ourselves internally, externally, emotionally, spiritually, as well as for our families and our babies and our children and our partners and our communities. So I honor you. I bow down to all the work that you are doing, whether it is seen or unseen. I see you. I know what you're doing and it is a lot and you are doing it. As we continue to navigate life right now, we need each other more than ever. So I am creating some new portals, some new groups, some new courses. So stay tuned for all of that. And just know that I'm here for you. There are so many of us that are up-leveling and expanding the abundance that we can now hold the future that we are now visioning. And we truly do co-create our reality personally and together. So don't ever doubt for one second that you matter, that your dreams matter because they do. They do. They do. I'm going to pull a card for us and per usual, allow whatever resonates to come into your energetic sphere and what does not resonate to gently bounce off of your auric field, flying back up and away into the ethers from which it came. I pulled Awela Medicine, Remedy of the Grandmothers. I've been pulling this card a lot lately. Guess I need some good old grandmama medicine. Closing the eyes, if you'd like, for a quick story time. Believe in the formidable prayer of healing, of the transformation that it can provide for all aspects of your being in your life. Medicine comes in many forms from great spirit to facilitate healing of body, of mind, and of soul. Whether it is the correction of unhelpful habits of thought, guidance for the practical steps to resolve a physical imbalance, or deep soul healing that frees you into fulfillment of your divine potential, there is no limit to what can be healed through grace. A current of divine healing is flowing to you and through you now. Open yourself up to participate in a beautiful healing transformation. You are on a healing journey. Put your trust in the divine genius of great spirit and the medicine of the earth through which divine healing can express itself. As you allow your spiritual connection to guide your earthly steps with synchronicity and divine intervention, you will be supported for a healing journey that will be profound for you. This oracle indicates a healing outcome that will enhance your soul journey. Your soul has healing gifts and you are meant to participate fully in an exploration of healing that is of interest to you. You are meant to understand how it is that you are a healer in your own unique way, whether that be professionally or in how you are as a person in the world more generally as part of your life journey. 
Have you been the warrior carrying on regardless of a deep wound that makes your life and work in the world more difficult? Whether the wound is of mind or body, there is guidance that it is time to allow for healing. Through a healing journey, you can become free to proceed more easily, effectively, and joyfully in your life's work. Grandmother medicine typically relates to the use of plants through various disciplines to promote healing of the mind and body. However, the oracle speaks of a broader interpretation. It indicates a time when earthly steps on your healing journey will be supported and guided by spirit for truly inspiring results. Heaven and earth are intersecting, and when that happens, the practice of various types of physical world medicine can become a channel for divine blessing. This divine integration of heaven and earth will transform the way you see and experience the physical world. It will provide you with the feeling of harmony between the celestial and the earthly, a sense of masculine and feminine energies working together for the same purpose. You will no longer feel divided within yourself. Pulled in competing directions or conflicted about key aspects of your life and belief systems. This is healing. All things coming together in right order. Working with rather than against each other for loving higher purpose. The commencement of the healing journey, whether you are the healer or the patient or both, demands a period of purification, a cleansing that will support the release of toxins of body, mind, and soul so that true vitality, well-being, and divine beauty can manifest unimpeded. The basis of all true healing is a shift in consciousness so powerful that it alters not only mind, but eventually soul and physiology as well. If one attempts to shift consciousness without adequate preparation, the process can be destabilizing, generating unnecessary disorder and confusion. Even if there is a temporary sense of heightened awareness at first without adequate preparation, the experience will not be able to be integrated and may result in feeling worse rather than better without any real long-term change. Yet you are called at a soul level to enter a healing journey. So how can you avoid the pitfalls and open to the blessings? Becoming ready for the medicine means preparing for the cure also. This is based on approaching the power of earth with due respect. It is not about trying to force an outcome that you wish. It is about cleansing and opening the self to the gift of what is given from earth mother and great spirit. It is not about controlling the healing flow, but of readying oneself for it to be received. That means surrendering attachment and resting and cleansing the body and mind through practices that work for you so that you are open to the certain change that healing will bring. It means practicing unconditional trust because divine timing may sometimes express kindness through delays. It means gently but surely dislodging your belief in the fixed reality of your own experience, even if an issue has been present for decades, so that you are loose and limber, ready to be reformed recreated through the healing genius of heaven and earth an intelligent creative relationship expressing their unconditional love for you the healing process for this is connect with nature in person if possible or by looking at images such as the oracle card image and listening to nature sounds if appropriate imagine feel or intend that you are relaxing not only your body and mind but your soul too relaxing and opening to the presence of the natural world allow yourself to feel held by this loving sacred energy this is the soul of Earth Mother. When you are ready, say the following invocation aloud if possible. The divine healing presence is now created through the loving union of Earth Mother and Great Spirit. I surrender into the medicinal alchemy of divine love at work within all facets of my being now. 
so that any and all issues of my body, mind, and soul that can benefit from divine healing are now blessed for recovery. Through grace of divine timing and compassion of grandmother healer, I ask to be shown clear steps for my healing benefit that I may experience true healing and become a channel for such true healing in the world. So be it. Mm, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Great spirit for that card. I needed to hear that. Deep surrender. Amen. So I'm going to lead us right into podcast. It was a beautiful interview today with Bailey Gaddis, who is the author of Asking for a Pregnant Friend, 101 Answers to Questions Women Are Too Embarrassed to Ask About Pregnancy, Childbirth, and Motherhood. And we have a couple of friends in common. She is a mom and about to give birth to her second any day. She is a birth doula. She is a childbirth educator, hypnotherapist, and a writer who regularly contributes to Working Mother, Fit Pregnancy, Pregnancy, and Newborn, Cosmopolitan, Women's Day, and Disney's Babble, and more. She offers a program for in-home support to parents with new babies through volunteering, and you can find a lot more about her in the show notes. We have all the good deets for you. And it was a true blessing and divine timing. I love sitting with people or talking with people when they are not only educators and teachers and healers and really sharing solid gold information, but I also love talking with people when they are in the midst of a big life transformation. And so we got both with Bailey, which I'm so grateful for. Her wealth of knowledge, this incredible book, and then also entering in the birth portal of her second baby, bringing Earthside. So um, I hope you enjoy this listen. I really recommend this book, truly, truly. It is a wealth of knowledge, funny, really honest, and covers kind of the nuts and bolts of pregnancy and postpartum and relationship with self, relationship with others, relationship with partners. So I hope you enjoy this listen. As always, I am here for you via mom club membership, via my one-on-one coaching. I'm going to be offering some group coaching and courses coming up soon in 2022. Can't believe we're already in fall. We're mid-fall all of a sudden. I feel like it's still summer. But if you have been on the fence or wondering about reaching out for support, but don't really know what that means or don't know how you can even fit it into your schedule, please reach out for a free mother love discovery call with me. It's 20 minutes on the phone. We can dive in and just see how it might align for us to be working together. I have a couple of spots left for the fall and then I will close my books and then reopen in 2022. And as always, thank you for being here. It means the world to me that anything I can share can be of help. That is why I do this. That is why I do this work is to help those coming behind me and learning the lessons that I learned and also learning from others. Because as we share, we educate each other, we heal ourselves and so doing we heal each other. And it truly is a cyclical circle of women through timelines. So thank you for being here. I love you all. I appreciate you all. Sending love out to all of you. Jayma. Hi, Bailey. Thanks so much for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. Great to have you. So nice to connect. And you're about to have your second now. (laughs) I am. Any day now. I guess I have four weeks, but still it feels like any day. (laughs) How big I feel. Yeah. Second (laughs) second time is a different vibe. 
It sure is, to say the least. <laughs> yeah. And where are you today? I am in Ojai, California. So north of LA, south of Santa Barbara is what I always awesome. tell people. Yeah. Such a beautiful spot. So I am sitting here with your book, which is really an incredible gift for any woman on this path of motherhood for ourselves and I feel like other women that will come after us and also helping women that have come before us. It's really a beautiful collection of lots of questions, lots of answers. It's called asking for a pregnant friend, 101 answers to questions. Women are too embarrassed to ask about pregnancy, childbirth, and motherhood. And I love your honesty. I love your humor. This is a fun book to read. I have, I, you know, just to be really honest, like I steer clear of a lot of birth books and motherhood books and pregnancy books. Cause I feel like for me, just personally, it's a lot of noise, but this does not feel that way. <laughs> Thank you. What a so, compliment. I, I really, that. I really love it. And it just is we, cause we need the honesty and the humor. And I feel like that's what's missing in a lot of those books, at least up till now is it just feels very textbooky and not real. Like a lot of the stuff that people talk about, I'm like that, that, that literally happens to no one I know Yeah, coming from the title of this book. I really love, even in the first couple pages, where you drill it down to shame. Like we're embarrassed because we're ashamed. And because like when I first read the title, it makes me sad for women that we feel embarrassed about anything. But then when you reframe it in we're feeling shame because we haven't been modeled this. I mean, most of us have not seen what a kind of true, authentic pregnancy, conception even, certainly labor delivery and then postpartum healing looks like. I mean, I didn't at all. So I think- when we don't know things, we're just ashamed, right? Because we don't know what other people know. And that's, I mean, personally, and I want to hear all about your story and how you got to this work. But I know for myself, which I share a lot here is that's why I got into postpartum because I felt after the birth of my first daughter, I was like, there's no help here. There's no answers, but I don't even know what questions I have to get answered. And we're all just in our own little boxes, feeling isolated and like we're failing because we're not being modeled the correct behavior, the healing biological behavior. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that is exactly how I felt with my son who is eight now, you know, during pregnancy and then absolutely the postpartum period, you know, so, so many questions. And like you mentioned, so many questions that I didn't realize I had, but were triggering so many emotions and then, yeah, and, and shame because I convinced myself that I must be the only one. Right. And even though consciously we usually know better, like, yeah, sure. There's probably somebody out there having the same concern or experience, but I got so good at telling myself, no, you're the only one. Mm -hmm. And this is happening to you because maybe there's something wrong with you. Or, I mean, I really went down the rabbit hole with that first pregnancy and got through it, you know, not, um, easily, but I just kind of pushed it aside. And then when I started, you know, teaching childbirth prep classes, I became a doula. I had women like literally they would whisper these questions to me at the end of, of class mm -hmm. or, you know, during a prenatal <laughs> visit. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm not the only one. So I felt immense relief at first. And then, and then sadness, you know, as, as you mentioned, like thinking about the title that, you know, we, I mean, it was, you know, kind of funny, but also not, you know, it's like asking for a pregnant friend, you know, we 
do that because we don't feel comfortable enough saying, this is my question. This is my experience that I'm having. And so I just felt like, and it took me a long time to get to writing this book, but it was so healing, you know, it was so healing because number one, I was able to like pinpoint all those questions we talked about that, that I didn't know I had, I was able to, you know, gather so many other questions from other women that, you know, gave me such an in-depth understanding of what we're all going through or a deeper understanding. And then like answering the questions and trying to be brave enough to put my own stories in there. Cause mm-hmm. I figured if I'm writing a book about what we consider taboo topics and I'm encouraging women to share, I suppose it needs to start with mm-hmm. me. So yes, we'll get to learn a lot about (laughs) my sex life and (laughs) so many different things. But that's, it's so awesome. It takes bravery and, you know, it's courageous to put yourself out there like that. And, you know, it's so interesting when you're talking, I often, when I'm talking with all my doula friends, it's like, we have been largely drawn to this work to heal ourselves, even subconsciously. Like I I didn't become postpartum doula thinking I had stuff to heal, you know, like I didn't name my business mother, the mother thinking I had mother's stuff to heal, you know? (laughs) And so it's just so beautiful that in teaching your classes and these questions coming up, then you're being healed knowing that you aren't alone. And then now you have so much knowledge to bring to even a greater level of healing for the masses, which is really beautiful. And just how we all actually are in this together. And we actually do heal through sharing is just, you know, the base that I just was really beautiful. When you compiled this book, it was your personal. And then also everyone that was just like pulling you in the hallway, asking questions, whispering, and then writing into you, writing questions from social media. Yeah, exactly. A combination. Yeah. My own questions, um, questions from women that I've worked with friends, family members, you know, through like YouTube, yeah, social media. And so I think, oh my gosh, we started with or I started with about 350 <laughs> questions and then had to obviously um, yeah. whittle it down to those 101 that I thought were most, you know, relevant to women. But that was really, really fun, really fascinating to just gather those questions. And it just sparked so much interesting conversation with women. And it made me, I, I was so in awe of, you know, the bravery it took just for, you know, these these women and men and all, everybody mm-hmm. to, to share, you know, what was going on for them. And it really created this beautiful community that I significantly leaned on when writing the book. And I love that you bring in the partners, you know, especially male partners, husbands, because I feel like so much of like the quote unquote women's work, we're the ones in the birth classes. We're the ones doing all the reading. We're the ones watching all the videos. And, you know, I see it with my own clients that, if the woman or the the mom or the birthing person, whatever you want to call is doing all the work and that other people or partner or co-partner, co-parent living in the home with them, isn't kind of on the journey with them, they're still going to be just as isolated. So that it actually is like a family issue. It's a family dive in. I love how you really bring that in to here because we kind of only hear about the key highlights, right. Of like partner stuff. And it's like, we see in the movies and like, it's kind of cliche. And, you know, like I would say the top thing is like your partner's only like kind of upset about sex or not having sex, but there's, it's so much more nuanced than that. Right. Because they're becoming a father. They're having their own journey. All of their own parenting stuff is coming up. Cause as women, like we kind of along the way, think about this, maybe even for years or decades, we're kind of doing the work of what it's going to become a mom. A lot of men, especially have never done that until you're actually pregnant. 
So how did you navigate all of that? I mean, I read one of your stories, but like if you're talking right now to any pregnant woman listening, what would your kind of top advice be about relationship or how to dip your toe in to having tough conversations, even if you kind of even don't know what they are? Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, that, that communication is key, which is easier for some than others. Right. Like I, I have my husband, he could talk for like five hours about like emotions (laughs) and, you know, which I love for the most part, you know, so for us, we almost like over communicate. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I tell women that have, you know, they're like, it's hard to kind of like crack that nut with my partner and to get them to, you know, open up and start talking about, these things. And so, and this is, you know, very, it seems like so simple, but, you know, I tell the women, you know, start kind of like journaling first about like, what is it that, that you feel are, you know, important topics for the two of you discuss and not just like problems, you know, Mm -hmm. but, you know, just anything that's, that's coming up that you think will help to, you know, deepen your connection, number one, to your partner, because I found that that, was the most important thing, at least in my own journey. It's like every time we worked on, you know, deepening our connection, then a lot of the other issues, especially related to pregnancy, to bringing a child into the world didn't magically work itself out, but it made it a lot easier. Yeah. So to start to look at what, what do I want to connect with? And then time, you know, create intentional time. Don't just say, well, maybe like when we're driving to the airport, we'll, we'll talk about this, but to really let them know there's, you know, things I want to talk about and, and to not put them on the defense. It's like, I just want to connect, you know, I'm not wanting to have a conversation where, you know, I'm telling you everything that's wrong with you or whatnot, but, you know, say every Saturday, like I want to sit down for an hour with you. If you already have kids, find somebody else that can watch them create this really intentional time, go to a space that you both feel comfortable and safe and not like one time we did this conversation at this local cafe and it was a horrible choice because the entire time we just had people that we know (laughs) coming up to us like, okay, this is not ideal for this like really deep conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So to find that safe space, create that time. And then, and this is easier said than done, but but to really let yourself go there and to be vulnerable. You know, one thing I write about in the book was that, you know, when I was pregnant with my son, I developed this intense fear of, of infidelity and my husband, he wasn't my husband at the time, but he didn't do anything to make me afraid that he would be unfaithful. It was just this big thing that came up in me and it took me months to admit it to him Mm. because I was wrapped up in so many things. I was like, well, maybe this means that I'm insecure or that maybe he'll think I won't trust him. Like I had all these conversations in my own mind, but I never shared it with him. And when we finally, when I was finally able to be vulnerable and share it was not easy, but it was so healing. And it was probably, you know, looking back on all the conversations we've had, one of the most poignant, one of the most healing connections we've ever had because we were able to work through a lot. So be vulnerable and, and create that, that intentional time. And we would try to do it every single week during pregnancy because so much comes up. Right. And then once you have one conversation, you know, it it opens all these other doors, um, which sure it can feel somewhat overwhelming at times, but but is so great for you, the woman that is pregnant, but also the partner, because mm. a lot of, you know, not all men, but some are like, yeah, I don't really want to talk about emotions. And that's not that important to me. But when they get the opportunity to do so, a lot of times they appreciate it 
just as much as we do and get just as much out of it. So yeah, that communication is so key. I love that. And I like the kind of weekly date to start implementing because I do think, I mean, I get very defensive if I feel like, oh my God, I'm going into this conversation. I'm about to be attacked. And it's not, it's just, we have stuff to talk about, but like I can internalize that way. So just knowing like, no, we just obviously need sacred time to discuss this momentous thing going on in our life and really hold that container. Because I do think it's like, we know, and a lot of these things too, for anyone listening, you only know what you know when you know it. And so you can't totally know what it even means to have a newborn and a baby until you've lived it. I mean, in theory we do, but there's no way it's like, right. You're so in love and you're with studying this family and like, it's all like unicorns and rainbows. And you know, that's just not the reality on the other side and it can get deeper and better in just such a more profound and amazing ways. But I do think it's so really important to acknowledge personally, all the changes we go through as women. I mean, I always say that pregnancy is the fastest track for a spiritual awakening or spiritual portal. And then also your partner's doing that. And then the third thing is your relationship is going to get rocked in new ways. And again, like going deeper, pulling back layers, projections. It's just so vast when you bring a soul earth side, it's like pretty unreal. I really do like how you've organized the book and it's it's personal. It's the physical because our bodies do go through so many weird things. I remember with my first, I was going for a, um, a birth center birth. We ended up doing transfer to the hospital. And I remember after giving birth and like that next day, I was like, is there a homeless like man in the room? Like, what is that smell? And it was my <laughs> armpits because it was like my stress hormones of, you know, transferring in a car, 10 centimeters dilated with my water broken and then giving birth. And it's like, it's pretty wild. Like what your body can do. Sure is. It's not always the most glamorous journey, but <laughs> yeah. That, that was a big, yeah. Like no one had ever mentioned that to me. So like, you know, it's just, it is really nice that you can share, like to be on the other side. And I think that is part of our Dharma as birth workers. And certainly what you're doing is if we've walked it, it's our duty and privilege to be able to share with the women coming after us. So they don't have to waste the time in that fear and unknown, like we did living in a perplexed state of like, is this normal? Is this not normal? Do I need to worry about this? Is it weird? I'm still in a diaper. Yeah, Um, exactly. So, I mean, I can ping pong all over this book. So just interject if you have any points, (laughs) because there's so many, there's a lot, Yeah, there's so much to cover and like kind of, it's all really important. One thing that popped out of me as I was reading through, which I think is very much kind of under talked about is when we have news to share that we're pregnant, the awkwardness, kind of the sadness, the not knowing how to proceed with our friends, knows our best friends, our sisters that have been struggling with infertility or can't get pregnant or maybe don't even have a partner yet or, you know, that we are going into this having fear and maybe a little shame and anxiety about telling them that we're pregnant. And I love in the book, you did a little sample script, which I want to read. I think it's really beautiful. You say, I want to start by saying how much I love you and appreciate our friendship. Before I jump into my news, I also want you to know I have no expectations about your reaction. You should feel safe to express whatever comes up. With that said, I want you to be one of the first people to know that I'm pregnant. Pause for reaction. I can't even begin to understand what you must be going through, but I want you to know I'm always here for you. I promise we absolutely do not have to talk about my pregnancy when we hang out. You are an amazing woman and it's an honor to know you. And I think that's just so crucial and important, especially for women that may have experienced loss. That's a huge trigger. And of course, they don't want to be triggered either. You know, they want to be happy for their their bestie. So I think that was just 
just a really beautiful way to let that land. Thank you. Yeah. It, when I wrote that, you know, at that point, the only experience I had had was, you know, being on the, the side of, of being pregnant and telling, you know, women that, you know, I have a really, really close woman in my life. Who's like a sister that had a stillbirth at like 34 weeks, you know, so a lot of close female, you know, relationships um, with women that were either struggling to become pregnant or had experienced, you know, a lot of loss. And that had been such a journey for me, you know, when I am with my son, when I was first sharing that news, you know, you mentioned the shame. So I felt a little bit shameful, like, or, or even guilt. I think that's the better word. Like why, why me? Why? And and of course, you know, there's no rhyme. It's not like I'm more deserving than them, but in my mind, I felt guilty. Like, well, they've, they've been married for, you know, years. And, you know, I made all up all this stuff in my head about why they deserve this more than me. So I felt guilty. Um, And then I let myself get triggered when they weren't just like so happy. I'm like, well, why, why can't, they just be happy for me, you know? And so it took me about four years of like learning and talking to these women and like really, really allowing myself to open to their, their own journey. And it just let me see the, the depth of, uh, you know, the, the grief they were going through all, all of the different emotions, the, je- the mm-hmm. jealousy, you know? Um, and so I realized that, yeah, the number one thing we need to do is just create space for them to feel however they need to feel about us being pregnant. We also don't want to hide it, of course, you know, because a lot of these, you know, women, they're like, yeah, loved ones would not tell me that they were pregnant. You know, they would yeah. have these like celebrations and they wouldn't invite me because they were just afraid to tell me. And that hurt even more than, you know, really anything they could have done, you know, so being open, being honest, creating the space for whatever emotions and not taking it personally, which yes, is easier said than done. Right. Cause you're so happy about your own news, but I'm, you just need to, I mean, this is, yeah, it's hard. You need to be okay with, you know, with whatever comes up for them. And then all of this really hit home when I, when I had a a pregnancy loss and I was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) Now I really, I really get it. I had no idea. You know, I um, lost the baby, let's see, so summer 2019, right after COVID started. Because since since COVID, my years have all just like melted 2020. together. 2020. 2020. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I know. What summer, is time? I know. I'm like, I... <laughs> So yeah, summer 2020, you know, my husband and I, we'd been trying for a really long time. I lost that baby. I had two family members that got pregnant at the same time and continued on with their healthy pregnancies. I experienced so much jealousy. I mean, I really went through some dark emotions, you know, in in addition just to my own grief. And of course, like I just turned in this book (laughs) right after it, you know, and was editing the book while healing from this miscarriage. So, and I, and I made sure like when I edited, I really wanted to make sure that the two questions related to pregnancy loss in the book that I went back over them after having my own, you know, loss to make sure that everything that I learned was, was in there. And yeah, I mean, I'm just going through all the, just like the memories and emotions and it's so complex and it's so heavy, but also so beautiful. That's something that's coming up for me. I'm just thinking about 
how a lot of my female friendships and relationships deepen so much, mm-hmm. you know, throughout my own loss and then becoming pregnant again with the baby that I'm carrying now. Um, Cause then I had to go through the experience all over again of telling women that, you know, two friends that have had multiple IVF cycles that did not result in a pregnancy, you know, and, and went through it all over again and, and using, you know, kind of the techniques that I talked about in the book, like I have read that script almost verbatim to, to these two women. And it, it created some of the most healing, beautiful conversations I have ever had. And it really showed me the strength of, of women. So Mm. that makes me tear up. It's so, it's just like the word poignant keeps coming. It's just like giving me chills. It's just like, because I think in this society too, we separate birth and death and it's, it's so interconnected. Um, it's, it's really two sides of the same coin. And so then when it's a baby, you know, it's, it's like weirdly intermingled or a child. So yeah, I mean, there's just so much to talk about there, but I guess I, cause I have not experienced, I mean, I feel like I'm a rare person that has not experienced a pregnancy loss so I can empathize, but I don't know what it feels like because you have the emotional, the spiritual and the physical, there's so much going on. So how do you, how do you deal with that jealousy? I mean, I've seen it in the eyes of women looking back at me. So like, I, I know, and I can kind of guess what it feels like, but like, how do you deal with that? Cause that's such a shitty feeling to feel jealous. Oh yeah, totally. I would say the first thing is don't deny it and don't mm. beat yourself up for it because it is, it's so organic. And, and I try to remind, I try to remind myself it's, it's not personal. It's not that I right. act like that. I don't right. want this person that I love to be happy or have a baby. It's not that at all. Like this is so much about my own journey and being triggered when, you know, all these people around me. And it's, and of course, it seems like when you're going through a loss or you are struggling with infertility, that everybody else can get pregnant, that every, mm-hmm. everybody and their cousin is getting pregnant. Um, and so it can feel really personal. Right. Like wherever you go, there's a pregnant person. Oh yeah. And then social media, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that's like a really practical tip. I had to mute all of the different feeds that were constantly showing pregnancy announcements or, you know, people that I love so much that normally I would love to see your maternity photos, but I just, I just couldn't, you know, after my loss, you know, so I, I really had to insulate myself, you know, from as much of that as I could, I had to turn down, you know, invitations to, you know, baby showers to different things mm-hmm. that I knew would just be really, really triggering. Yeah. So to give yourself mm-hmm. space and, and it passed, you know, it's like the jealousy didn't last forever. I got to a yeah. space where I was happy for these women and, you know, love these babies, of course, but to just the one thing that I keep thinking about, and I kept telling myself over and over again, is just to be so gentle with yourself, be so gentle with yourself and to allow again, whatever emotions need to come up. And, and yes, sure. Like sometimes the jealousy would be so deep and it would create like almost like anger, totally misplaced Mm -hmm. anger towards these women. And I never really had the inclination to like text them or whatever, something unkind, but I could see how somebody could be pushed to that. Like I Mm -hmm. stop, like stop posting about this or, you know, whatever we might have the inclination to lash out. And that was the one thing that I really wanted to make sure I didn't do. Cause it's like, I don't, I don't want to damage these relationships. So that's one thing I would say, you know, find a safe person to vent to, you know, my mother was really the person that I could go to and just like unleash all of my emotions Mm -hmm. about 
the, my cousins and, and whatnot. So to find that safe person, so you're not just holding it all in, but as much as possible, not not venting to the person you are jealous of, because that can, in some cases, just intensify it. And, and then when you're through it, you know, you can talk about it. Like I've had beautiful conversations with my cousin since now that I'm on the other side, like, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I, I wasn't really there for you. I really couldn't, you know, yeah. text you or call you about it. Cause I was, I was feeling really jealous and I, I didn't want to put that on your pregnancy experience, but I also couldn't just push past it mm. and deny it. I think that's such an important piece of that self-responsibility because we all feel, especially as women, we feel like we have to put on a good face. We have to keep showing up. We have to go to the baby shower and it's not good for our mental health sometimes. So it's, that's just such a beautiful example. And then it actually gives that the space and time. And then you, when it's time, you're going to be on the better foot with those people regardless. Right. So exactly. it's just so important. I mean, so much comes down to self-responsibility and knowing yourself and knowing what you're capable of right now. Nothing's good or bad. It's just what yeah. is right for you right now. Exactly. Yeah. Honoring, honoring those needs and trusting yourself. So then how did you heal through that? Did you do any specific things for your body or did you get pregnant pretty quickly thereafter? No, it, it took a while. Um, and my, I had what some call like a missed miscarriage. So my body, my body never realized that the embryo wasn't developing. I had to have, it was like, it was a month before I actually knew that I didn't have what everybody kept calling a wow. viable pregnancy. I had like six ultrasounds. It took six ultrasounds where they're like, well, there's no heartbeat, but maybe it's just too early. And then another uh, one, well, there's no heartbeat, but me. And then my HCG level kept doubling. So it was like, wow. it really screwed with my head and my like breasts were getting bigger. I was getting nauseous. So that was, that made it harder. I just, I didn't, it took a long time to get closure and to really know like, okay, this is, this is happening. So mm -hmm. I had to take a uh, misoprostol, the medication that, you know, is used for unfortunately, sometimes labor induction. I wouldn't recommend that. It is so intense. So I had to take that to allow my body to clear, clear everything out. Um, and then I really, you know, and I had been always, you know, for the most part committed to my health and lived a pretty healthy lifestyle. But after having the miscarriage, I just like really needed a reset. So I started seeing an acupuncturist, a Chinese herbalist once a week. You know, I really like that was one of the biggest investments I made in, in my physical health, but certainly also, you know, my, my mental, mental health. It was so healing to just lay there for an hour. And, mm -hmm. you know, and the first session I had with this acupuncturist, he just like looked at me for what felt like forever in total silence. And he's like, she just wasn't ready. Oh, I'm going to cry mm -hmm. talking about this. He's like, she wasn't, she wasn't ready to come to you, you know, the, this little girl, and we're going to like open the channel back up for her and like, let her know that, you know, when, when she's ready, you have this like great, healthy vessel for her to come to. So that's what I would do during these acupuncturist sessions. I would just lay there and just envision this, like this golden light, this channel opening up and, and I'm pregnant with a little girl, a little boy would have been welcome to, or whatever, mm -hmm. whatever gender mm -hmm. you identify with. <laughs> mm -hmm. But that was one of the biggest things, you know, physically that I did. And then I continued, you know, I got back into, you know, yoga and really clean, clean eating. But um, the acupuncture for me was was really key. And it's still, it took seven months after I wasn't somebody that like, I know people are like, Oh yeah, my next cycle after my miscarriage, I was pregnant. That wasn't, that was not me. 
I conceived, it's like, it's frustrating how this happens sometimes. <laughs> the one month that I was like, I'm not going to track ovulation. I'm just going to, you know, lose myself in this new project. And I was out of town for most of the month. And my husband came to see me. I was working on this project in Utah. We had sex once on Valentine's <laughs> Day, one time this entire month. And that's when we conceived. Yeah. It's like, are you kidding me? That soul was like, bam, I'm coming in. I know. Coming she was in. ready. She was ready. Yeah. yeah. So the, I mean, again, and we all have, you know, different, different things that work for us. Um, and, and it's certainly, I think moving the body and really looking at, you know, how the food you eat impacts you is a huge, huge piece of it. Like that's the base, right? Yeah. You know, you can do tons of acupuncture, but it's, it's, it's everything, everything it's, it's feeds everything. into the other. Yeah. But exactly. I do think acupuncture is so amazing. I mean, it is, it's been so profoundly healing for me, especially postpartum. Yeah. Have your pregnancies been very different or have they felt pretty similar? Yeah. <laughs> oh, they've been totally different with, with my son. And again, granted, I was eight years younger. I think I had like some heartburn in the third trimester and that was it. I'm like, what are people talking about? This is so easy. And then with this baby, you know, I had really intense nausea for the first trimester. I never threw up. So it wasn't, you know, nearly as intense as what some women go through, but it was all day nausea, um, night sweats before I even took the pregnancy test. I just woke up drenched in sweat. That was for like eight weeks, wow. lots of sweating. The second trimester was kind of the golden age of the pregnancy. I felt pretty good. And then now, you know, third trimester, I'm, I'm healthy. Everything's good, but hormones are raging. Like I will start crying over <laughs> nothing. I'll <laughs> just be like bawling. And, and then like the, the bloating, the swelling, my identity has really been shaken up, you know, cause I've always connected with myself yeah, on a deep level, but at the same time, like what I look like has always like mattered to me. And I always saw myself, you know, as like needing to look a certain way and today it's not too bad, but most like my face, my, my hands, my feet, like everything is just like, I gained you look weight. beautiful. Well, you thank look beautiful. you. <laughs> thank you. I know this is good lighting today, but, uh, and, and it's, and it's so, I mean, and it's, it's really like what's going on inside. Right. You know, yeah. I, I just, I don't feel like myself as much with this mm -hmm. pregnancy, everything, I, I can't concentrate as much, yeah. you know, so it's been really intense and I've probably done so much more growing during this pregnancy than the first one, because mm -hmm. it has been so much more challenging physically and emotionally, yeah. you know, so day to day, it feels really intense, but I am a totally different person in a really beautiful, I, I believe today than I was, you know, nine months ago. It's been a challenge, but I'm really grateful for it. And I intuitively, I just feel like everything, you know, the challenges that I've gone through personally during this pregnancy are really going to serve me during the birth. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to planning on a home birth. We'll see okay. what happens. And then postpartum as well. You know, I really feel so much more fortified and ready for, you know, the challenges that lay ahead than I did with the first yeah. First pregnancy. So yes, night and day mm. <laughs> between that one and this one. Thank you for sharing all that. I think I love hearing birth stories and pregnancy stories and postpartum stories. I think it's just, <laughs> it's so fascinating what we all go through and the similarities and the differences and the growth. And, you know, I think 
it's so just so real of you. And I want every woman to hear this is like every pregnancy, every new soul we're bringing in every birth, it's all a miracle and it's all so different. And it's, it truly is here for our learning and our healing. And the fact, I mean, you've written this incredible book, had a kid, had a loss, and then you're pregnant again, having this completely other journey, you know, and it's like, they're just limitless layers to peel back for all of us. I mean, I'm homeschooling yesterday and triggered out of my mind and dissecting all that all day. Like why, why was that? What was that for my childhood? What is this about the patriarchy and the system of education? Like it's endless motherhood. And yeah. so it's just fascinating. I think that's this is why I have this podcast because I just want us all to be able to share and learn from each other because it's fascinating. Oh, it is. It, so, it, endless, yeah. endless topics. We could, endless. I know. <laughs> it's dive into it's literally yeah. endless. How have you prepared going into a home birth? Is it has it been more physical or more like getting in the mental game of that? I would say for me that the mental game is is the big part. I you know I've, I've certainly have been exercising, you know, kind of doing everything, but I feel, feel this like deep trust in my body that Mm. it's done it before I've had the vaginal birth it's set. Um, but mentally, you know, after having the loss, I've just experienced more, more fear this time around working as a, as a doula, just being in the birth world. I've seen so many beautiful births. I have, I've also been, you know, exposed to the rare times when something unexpected can happen. So I just, my knowledge is so much deeper, which serves me in so many ways, but also has instilled a bit of anxiety, some fears. So that's been the big thing I've been working through. I've been doing Mm -hmm. lots of hypnotherapy, lots of journaling to try to figure out like, what am I actually like scared of, you know, cause I've Mm -hmm. had those feelings, but I've really wanted to pinpoint like, what is it that is actually like bringing up these emotions? Um, And a a key, a huge piece is I found two midwives that I trust implicitly. I mean, they are just so Mm -hmm. amazing and they're like therapists, like each, every other week when I go and see them, it's like a one hour therapy session. They're just so amazing. Amazing. And I, I really feel like I will be able to surrender with them by my side during the birth. And I feel like my husband will as well. And that's something I say over and over again in my classes. It's like, ultimately, when we get to the birth experience, we just have to surrender to whatever yeah. the experience we need to have is, um, which can be obviously you know, easier said than done. Um, but yeah, so I've essentially just been trying to do everything I can. So I am set up to surrender to the yeah. journey that I mm. need to, to go through. Amen. Mm. Amen. That's <laughs> surrender. And that is harder for some of us than others. Cause I will like white knuckle to the fucking very last breath. That's what, I, <laughs> that's what I found out about myself. Like, Oh, I am very stubborn. When it yeah. comes to surrender. Oh yeah. Me too, sister. <laughs> yeah. And for me, and I say this, you know, I never want to scare people, but for me, each surrender with each birth, I had to actually accept that I was dying. Like that's what it felt mm. for me. It was mm. that deep a surrender of like myself, you know, quote unquote self, like yeah. this control self that I'm, I know is McLean. Yeah. She is leaving now. Yeah. And when I pushed through that baby came right out, you know, yeah. it's just that like giving up that control. Oh, I can totally relate to that. That's the one piece that I really vividly remember from my, my birth with my son. I felt, yeah, a death. I mean, that is the best way to put it a really like beautiful, complex death of my identity during that. Yeah. That transition. 
Speaking of that, early on in the book, you share your birth experience in relating to having trust in your care provider, your doctor, your midwife. And it grabbed me because you were saying that you weren't as empowered as you could have been from your birth. And from the outside view, you had a great birth, right? And so I think that's this shard that I want every woman to know is like, you can have your experience and it doesn't have to match what anyone else views or projects onto your birth. You know, it's like, I think we get really caught in this compare and despair and it does not help our trauma because I certainly had that with my first on all accounts. I had a great birth and delivery and it took me like three years to heal my trauma from it, you know? So it's just, we can have our own experience and we rightfully have our own experience. So we just need to own it and let it be. Yeah, no, exactly. And I mean, I can't stand when people say, well, at least you have a healthy baby, just like completely discounting, right? Like what that woman's experience was like, I've had clients that had a cesarean birth and they, they, they just loved it. And they had this like sacred, gentle cesarean. I've had Mm -hmm. women that had a home birth that went exactly like on paper as they had planned and they have trauma from it. You know, I mean, just looking at the story on paper is, is not is not enough. And yeah, with mine, yeah, I had my unmedicated vaginal birth, but I had the doctor at the end that was like, yeah, you're not going to squat. You're going to lay on your back and put your feet in these stirrups. And you are going to push the way I want you to push for three hours. (laughs) And I, at the time, you know, I, still had that like misconception. They're like, Oh, I just have to do whatever the doctor says. Like they know best. I I don't know my body as well as they do. I mean, up until that point, I had had this very intuitive, beautiful experience. And then I felt like my body was not my own. It was like under the control of this person in this white coat. And, you know, she broke my water. It was, you know, a series of events like that, that I felt like I was just almost like a piece of meat that was just mm-hmm. being handled. You know, I, I look back at the videos and nobody, but like my mom and my husband were looking at me, but nobody else was even like making eye contact with me. It was just all about like the spotlight on the vagina and getting tools ready. It was just so impersonal and yeah. Yeah. And so looking back at me, that was definitely a big piece of why I'm like, next time I think I want to try like a home birth and have, you know, midwives that I really resonate with. But yeah, it took me a couple of years before I felt the courage to express anything but total satisfaction about my birth. You know, in the beginning, I definitely felt like when people said, Oh, how was the birth? I had to say, Oh, it was great. Everything I wanted. Mm -hmm. Because if I said anything else, I would be seen as ungrateful, you know, because I have this healthy baby. So yes, I really encourage women, you know, number one, to hold your birth story close in the beginning. If there are pieces that Mm -hmm. you're still processing, because unfortunately, you know, you can be sharing it with like somebody that you're usually, you know, really close to, but they just don't get it. And they throw out the, well, at least the baby's healthy, like just be happy, you know, and it oftentimes makes us feel shame for feeling, you know, Mm -hmm. any level of dissatisfaction. Um, so yeah, to find, to find those, you know, those people that you really feel like I'll bet they would be this, an excellent active listener, somebody that can create this safe container for me to process and explore why I am feeling anything, but, you know, 
joy or satisfaction about the birth and knowing that that is okay. Yes. You know, it is okay to have the full range of emotions about your birth experience, regardless of what it looks like. Yeah. I love that active listening and that neutral party is so key. Cause I also think, you know, we have to also kind of assume that a lot of people out there, especially maybe older generations, there's a lot of birth trauma that was never healed. And so they can't kind of help, but project on, you know, yes. it's not their fault. It's not like they're trying to hurt us. It's so tricky what you say to a postpartum mom or a new mom. It's like one, one unconscious thing can really set someone off. I mean, I've been on that end too. It's like that one thing. And then you're just like ruminating on it for months and it, you know, nor in your normal life, it's kind of benign, but not when you're a raw nerve. No. Yeah, no, exactly. That's a perfect way to say it. That brings us to that point of for any woman, if you are not jiving with your care provider, you have every right to leave them up until the birth or kick them out of your birth even. I mean, I think that is such a programmed thing of the hierarchy and hopefully it's changing some. I certainly had it with my first. I mean, we had, were with midwives and we went to meet proactively the backup doctor, you know, God forbid we were going to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And we walked out the office, my husband and I were like, God, he's such an asshole. Thank God we won't be birthing with him. You know, cut to we're birthing with him. Yeah. So like that would have been a good red flag to have looked at. But, you know, you learn what you learn. Yeah, no, but having, having the, the, I mean, I don't even want to just say like courage, but knowing that you are absolutely allowed to leave the care provider is so important because we feel like, especially if we have an OB and they've been the ones giving us our pap smears for Mm -hmm. 10 years and we feel this sense of loyalty and then, you know, cut to that day when we realize, Oh, maybe I don't actually want them at my birth. But then we're also this like vulnerable pregnant woman who doesn't want any more like emotional (laughs) conflict or, you know, I mean, and I'm speaking for myself, you know, it's like, Oh, the idea of having that difficult conversation, you know, just feels like too much, but, but it can make, you know, the, the care provider that you have in your, with you during birth can make such a difference, certainly during pregnancy, but especially during, during yeah. birth. I was at a birth about a year ago and this doctor, oh God, I mean, he said some really damaging things to this mom and she fired him right after she had a contraction. She's like, I, I, you need to leave. (laughs) And he had this amazing midwife that was like his backup. She's like, I choose her. Like you have to leave. And, and then this midwife came in this mom, she went from four centimeters to 10 centimeters in half an hour after laboring for like 20 hours with this doctor that like every time I bet every time he walked into the room, her cervix just like (laughs) just tightened up and she fired him got the midwife and had, you know, I mean, of course she still had trauma from the experience with him, but the last phase of her birth, I mean, she adores. And Mm -hmm. so I know, I, I know it can be so hard, but I think, you know, it is so important to trust your intuition with the people that will be caring for you and make a shift, even if it's during your birth, which I know sounds wild to a lot of women, but you have the right to do it at any time. Yeah. And it's us birthing the babies. No one else is birthing our babies or delivering our babies. I mean, we're doing, I hate when people say, oh, he delivered my baby. And also I would like to just clarify too, there can be amazing OBs and really shitty midwives too. You know, like I had tons of red flags with midwives that I didn't move on. I I did have awkward conversations. I mean, so there is so nuanced, you know, I I do think I can get very anti-OB, very pro-midwife because I mean, I am at my core. I love midwifery care, the whole structure of it. 
but also just knowing for anyone listening, you can have the most incredible OB birth, you know, over a midwifery birth or midwife birth. So, um, absolutely. It's both. And, you know, to all of this. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I love hearing those stories of just that empowerment and it really makes a difference. The energy that's at your birth makes a difference. My midwife with my second, who, whom I love Davy Kalsa. And she, you know, she just sits there. She barely talks. And when I was just screaming, fuck, you know, through transition, <laughs> she was like, that's great, dear. When you say fuck, baby's near, you know, I mean, oh, she, I was, she, she was like so minimal. It was fabulous. I'm going to write that on my like wall during birth. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. So well, yeah. I'm so I'm excited for you. That's just oh. it's such an awesome thing. And I will hold you in that light for your home birth and knowing whatever way it goes, you'll be handling it with such grace and love. But I hope you get what you want. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I know. F- fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> whatever you need to do, baby girl. I know, right? <laughs> I know. Because she has her way to come in too. Oh, one right. thing I wanted to ask you since it was you know, you given the feedback, it was a girl soul before. Do you feel like it's the same soul or do you feel like it's a different entity? That's a good question. And I've been thinking about it a lot. And I do keep going back to really believing that it's the same soul, but she just, she just wasn't ready then. And I look back at where I was, you know, like emotionally when she came to me that summer. And I think I was dealing with like a lot of unacknowledged trauma and fear from the pandemic. And not just in the sense of like, Oh, I'm afraid of getting sick. Like it wasn't even really that, but just like all of the like intense changes that happened globally. And so I think I was still really processing that I didn't really have a lot of space to then, you know, go, go into a pregnancy, which of course, if you would have asked me then it's like, no, you're crazy. Like I'm hundred percent ready to be pregnant like yesterday, you know, but looking (laughs) back, it's like, Oh no, she was so, so much more insightful than I was. And she just knew that I needed a beat and, and not, and I would never like wish a loss on anybody, but going through that loss changed me personally in ways that I feel like I needed. And it's now I feel like given me the capacity to support women in a, in a different way. So there, there's so many things that, you know, I, I thank this little soul for, you know, for the timing that she chose. And so, yeah, that's a long way of saying, I, I do, I feel like it's the same, same little spirit that came, came back to us. I'm always curious because it's, it, it does feel that it's often with loss, but even more so, I guess, with infertility too, when you look back in the hindsight, you're like, oh yeah, that wasn't the time. You know, it's so painful in the time, but looking back, it's just amazing what these souls are bringing to us to heal constantly, our children constantly, Constantly. every day. It's like if we're open to the lessons and the healing and knowing that we are not the masters of control and in control, you know, yeah, it's just so wild. Yeah. Any woman that's pregnant or giving birth through this last year and a half is just such a warrior. And I mean, so many additional motherhood lessons. I don't even know where to begin with that. But how are <laughs> how are you seeing that we can support women in our communities more, support ourselves more? I mean, it's been such a struggle. I know with my work, like not gathering in person. And, you know, yes, it's like Zoom is better than nothing. Calls are better than nothing. But how, like, how are you kind of seeing the next steps in our future of healing and supporting women that have gone through this portal even more alone than normal? Yeah, there's a a lot there. Um, I think, you know, really consciously, you know, reaching 
out to, you know, those, those women more again, even if we can only talk on the phone or, you know, whatever, luckily where I am, like there's more like gatherings and parks and people have been mm-hmm. getting more creative with how they mm-hmm. can connect physically. And I really hope we, you know, over the next year, see that more and more as women being able to come back together in person. Cause of course there's no substitute for that. Right. But yeah, creating, you know, safe containers. And sometimes we have to be really creative obviously now with how we do that. Cause yeah, even if it has to be on zoom, it's, you know, it can still have a really amazing healing effect, but yeah, I think figuring out how, like what level of vulnerability we're comfortable with, you know? So if you're the one going through that trauma, if you're processing really committing to yourself by spending the time to find women you feel safe opening up to. Cause yeah. a lot of times it's easy to say, well, I'm too busy for that. Like I have my kids to take care of, like I'll, I'll deal with my own stuff later, but to, to really recognize like you deserve that care that, you know, specifically a lot of times other women and other mothers can give to you, you know, so seeking that out and allowing yourself to receive that care and support being really specific in what you need. I've had people ask like, Oh, if, if there's anything I can do, let me know. I'm like, actually food Yeah. after I have the baby would be really yeah. great. You know, it's yeah. like, instead of just saying, no, yeah. no, I'm fine. You know, kind of being that martyr, like, I oh, know mm-hmm. I don't need any support. I can, I have it all together. It's like, well, no, I don't. And these are ways that, you know, you can support me. So asking mm-hmm. for that support and, and then, yeah, you know, obviously is as birth workers, we have so many more opportunities to offer that support because it's what we do. But even if you don't work in that field, you know, it can't like I volunteer for this organization and they pair volunteers with new moms. And a lot mm. of times it's a single mom or a mom with a baby with special needs, but not always. Sometimes it's just a family with a new baby. And we go and, you know, we clean their house or hold the baby or, you know, and, and we're not necessarily like postpartum doulas. We're just like fully there, like whatever they ask us to do, we do. We're not offering advice or anything like that. Um, that's so awesome. But yeah. So there's like really beautiful things like that happening. Um, you know, so you can get involved in that or just simply, you know, thinking once a week, like who is, you know, a girlfriend that I have or a new parent or anybody that I know that like, when you really kind of tune into their energy, feel like needs like a call or even just like a text, like, Hey, I'm thinking of you and I love you and you're amazing or you know, whatever you want to say to just start to forge those connections again, mm. because we have gotten so disconnected during this last year and a half. So to start to, you know, reforge those, mm. those bonds and, and put intention and effort into it. I love those. Those are really helpful. And I've, I've noticed with myself, it makes me feel so good when someone just texts me, Oh, I'm thinking of you just saying hi. So when I get that ping, I really try to follow up on it. You know, when I'm like, I'm thinking about you, send that text because you never know what she's going through that day. And then also to your point of the food, another thing we can all do for anyone in our lives, our community is instead of asking what, just say, Mm -hmm. I'm at the grocery store. I'm picking up food for you. Yes. Please tell me what you need right now, what you're craving. I'm going to drop it by, just leave it on your stoop, you know, like it's already happening. You're not asking for permission to help her. You just need some details of what she wants. Yes. Yes. I love that to be really specific. Like, Hey, I would love to come over and hold Mm -hmm. the baby while you take a shower or be really like, make it so easy for the mom to accept support. Cause it can be hard for us to think about, well, what do I need help with? And sometimes it's easier to say, no, no, I'm fine. So yeah, yeah, to give specific, you know, ideas about how you can offer support can be Mm -hmm. so helpful. And someone said that exact thing to me when I was pregnant with my first and I was like, okay, weird. You're just gonna like, I'm cool. Like I can shower. And then when I had her, I was like, oh, now I understand. (laughs) 
Yes. These cup holders. I can take a shower. <laughs> I know, right? Those little things. Those yeah. little things. You're like, mm. I really didn't realize it was going to be that way. It's so wild. But it is exciting with the second because the stuff you worried about the first time, you're not going to, it's going to be different. You know, you're still going to, there are going to be challenges and issues, but it's going to be more relaxed, which is so great about having a second. Yes, I know. Absolutely. And I'm really, I'm really feeling that I am excited to have that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you kind of, at least for me, I could just enjoy it more. Like I just enjoy the stuff. Cause I just know how quickly it goes too. Yeah. And like, as long as they're like healthy and fine, like mm-hmm. you're winning. Yeah. <laughs> like the other Seriously. details kind of like will figure themselves out. Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, I feel like you've given us so much amazing intel. Is there anything that you would like to close with or anything on your heart that you want to put out into the interwebs? Oh, yeah. And this is probably just like a reiteration of things I've already said, but, you know, I just really encourage women going through any intense journey, but especially those going through, you know, pregnancy, the postpartum period to not judge yourself, to not think that like anything that like really anything that you're thinking or questioning or experiencing avoid, like letting that cause you to say like, Oh, well, this must mean like, I'm, I'm broken or I'm weird or I'm this or I'm that it's like, whatever you're experiencing is okay. And you are going through this like wild complex journey and to give yourself so much grace, which is funny. That's the name we're giving our little girl. So I've been saying it a lot lately. Give yourself grace. (laughs) I love that name. Oh yeah. Give yourself grace and, Mm -hmm. and just, and I know I said this in the beginning, but be gentle with yourself. I guess if I can encapsulate what I really want for all women, especially right now is be so gentle with yourself. Amen. Mm -hmm. And that really, I think is a blessing of having babies is we learn to give ourselves that love that we see us giving to our babies. Yes. And like, wow, I haven't been doing that this whole time, but now I can, now I get to give myself that grace, that love, that unconditional love. Cause I really feel like a lot of parenthood is kind of reparenting our wounded child for all of us, you know, thank you so much. And I hope I get to come meet you in person someday up in Ojai. I know. Maybe when you're all healed up. Yes. Yes. And um, keep us posted. And thank you again for this book, putting this out there. I'm excited to be able to share it. This is just such a perfect baby shower gift, blessing way gift. I love it. I think it's really, you know, we are creating the sisterhood. And as one of my teachers, Rochelle of Innate Traditions, she always comes back to, you know, we as the mothers are the agents of change. We're the ones that we're going to demand that the systems change. And it really, truly does start and end with us. And we do that by sharing our stories. So thank you so much. Thank you. This has been such a pleasure, really. Yeah.